Good afternoon. Welcome to Pigeon Post. My name's Michael. Uh, my son's taking a nap in the car right now. We're sitting in the shade with the AC going. And uh, we're about to go into John chapter 7 here. So um, I thought it'd be a good time to just recap what we've seen so far in the Gospel of John. John writes what's called his prologue, which lays out his high view of Jesus and um, his purposes of writing, which include that he wants his readers to receive this knowledge that he's giving him that Jesus is the Son of God and that they would be born of God so that they could be children of God. Um, then in chapter 1 we see John the Baptist and his ministry and his disciples being passed off to Jesus and Jesus um, gathering followers and disciples. Uh, we see in chapter 2 he turns water into wine at a wedding, but then he also goes to the temple to cleanse it, so to speak, and um, causes some trouble there, saying, if you destroy this temple in three days, I will raise it up. And they didn't understand what he was saying. Um, in chapter 3, he meets with Nicodemus, or Nicodemus comes to him, rather, by night. And Jesus tells him that he must be born again. He talks about the new birth and the gospel. We see John the Baptist saying that his personal ministry must decrease and Jesus must increase. And then in chapter 4, the Samaritan woman at the well finds living water in Christ and spreads the gospel to her whole town. And then there's also a healing of an official son. In chapter 5, there's another healing. This one happens on the Sabbath. And Jesus is challenged on this, and he's asserting his, his uh, authority um, because of his role as the Son, his identity as the Son of the Father, who only does what he sees the Father doing. And then the last chapter we did, chapter 6, Jesus feeds the 5,000, which is an awesome miracle, one of his most well-known miracles. And yet, by the end of the chapter, none of those 5,000, it looks, it appears to us that none of those 5,000 uh, are going to be his disciples anymore. The Bible says that they no longer walked with him. So, back down to just the 12. It's almost like we hit rewind to the end of chapter 1. And uh, this is what we're going into chapter 7 with. Jesus and the 12 and this opposition that is apparently mounting. As he's revealing more of his identity... Um, less people can, um, can buy into that, so to speak, here. So here we go. The Gospel of John, Chapter 7 After these things, Jesus was walking in Galilee, for he was unwilling to walk in Judea, because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now the feast of the Jews, the feast of booths, was near. Therefore his brothers said to him, Leave here and go into Judea, so that your disciples also may see your works which you are doing. For no one does anything in secret when he himself seeks to be known publicly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world." 
for not even his brothers were believing in him. So Jesus said to them, My time is not yet here, but your time is always opportune. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me, because I testify of it that its deeds are evil. Go up to the feast yourselves. I do not go up to this feast, because my time has not yet fully come. Having said these things to them, he stayed in Galilee. But when his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he himself also went up, not publicly, but as if in secret. So the Jews were seeking him at the feast, and were saying, Where is he? There was much grumbling among the crowds concerning him. Some were saying, He is a good man. Others were saying, No, on the contrary, he leads the people astray. Yet no one was speaking openly of him for fear of the Jews. But when it was now the midst of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and began to teach. The Jews then were astonished, saying, How has this man become learned, having never been educated? So Jesus answered them and said, My teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone is willing to do his will, he will know of the teaching, whether it is of God or whether I speak from myself. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory, but he who is seeking the glory of the one who sent him, he is true, and there is no unrighteousness in him. Did not Moses give you the law, and yet none of you carries out the law? Why do you seek to kill me? The crowd answered, You have a demon. Who seeks to kill you? Jesus answered them, I did one deed, and you all marvel. For this reason, Moses has given you circumcision, not because it is from Moses, but from the fathers. And on the Sabbath, you circumcise a man. If a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses will not be broken. Are you angry with me because I made an entire man well on the Sabbath? Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. So some of the people of Jerusalem were saying, Is this not the man whom they are seeking to kill? Look, he is speaking publicly, and they are saying nothing to him. The rulers do not really know that this is the Christ, do they? However, we know where this man is from. But whenever the Christ may come, no one knows where he is from. Then Jesus cried out in the temple, teaching and saying, You both know me and know where I am from, and I have not come of myself, but he who sent me is true whom you do not know. I know him, because I am from him, and he sent me. So they were seeking to seize him, and no man laid his hand on him, because his hour had not yet come. But many of the crowd believed in him, and they were saying, When the Christ comes, he will not perform more signs than those which this man has. Will he? 
The Pharisees heard the crowd muttering these things about him, and the chief priests and the Pharisees sent officers to seize him. Therefore Jesus said, For a little while longer I am with you, then I go to him who sent me. You will seek me and will not find me, and where I am you cannot come. The Jews then said to one another, Where does this man intend to go that we will not find him? He is not intending to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks, is he? What is this statement that he said? You will seek me and will not find me, and where I am you cannot come. Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty... Let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Okay, wow. Lots of different strong opinions about Jesus, right? And John starts off this section by just coming right out and saying that the Jews were trying to kill Jesus. So if we haven't caught on to that so far, now we know. Um, Side note, when it says Jews uh, in the book of John, it essentially means the Jewish leaders So I know that in our modern context, that might sound like ethnically charged uh, language, um, like blame it on the Jews, that kind of thing. Um, That's not at all what John is saying. He's using Jews as the Jewish leaders. And, um, but Jesus is getting rejected by his people. So we can't downplay that. He is getting rejected by his people. In fact, Jesus is getting rejected by his brothers, because if If you heard that, his brothers sort of start off by suggesting that he go to this feast. And yet, it was common knowledge that people were trying to kill him. So it would have have meant death, essentially, to just walk into this feast. Because, as we see, people were looking for him. I think there's kind of a a little uh, connection there to Joseph's brothers. You know, when we look in the Old Testament we see these different people who were what we call types of Christ. Um, So they weren't full-on saviors, obviously. They don't forgive our sin or die for our sin or anything like that. But part of their lives uh, represent things that Christ would fulfill to the nth degree that they just did um, a little bit. So for instance, Joseph was uh, sold into slavery um, in a foreign land Um, He was righteous in that land and uh, through his uh, obedience, you know, became um, in charge, uh, so to speak, and he saved his family um, from famine. So he provided bread for his family, right? We can see ways that Jesus super fulfilled all of those things and that Joseph was kind of a picture of the Christ to come. 
So um, that's just kind of a side note. Joseph, uh, Jesus had brothers, so that's pretty clear that Jesus had siblings. So Mary was not uh, perpetually a virgin. Um, so Jesus had siblings, and those siblings wanted him dead. So, um, yeah, that's not often uh, made very clear sometimes when we're telling Bible stories, but that's apparently what's going on. Um, so we see Jesus kind of goes up at the middle of the feast. Um, he waits a while. His hour has not yet come. He keeps saying that. His hour has not yet come. And there will be a time when his hour does come, um, obviously by the end of uh, the book of John. Um, Jesus says some, Jesus says some hard things to the Jews. Um, for one thing, he knows that they're trying to kill him. Um, but they flat out deny it and, and tell him that he has a demon. But he makes the point that that they're not even keeping the law, that they're not even being as consistent as they're trying to be on the Sabbath because they have to do good things on the Sabbath, which we, we said last time that he talked about the Sabbath, that that's pointed out in other Gospels, and now Jesus brings that forward here and says, look, you do, um, you have to circumcise uh, the male babies on the eighth day, and if that lands on the Sabbath, you do it, right? So um, he said, and he says, "I don't. I heal a whole person, the whole man. I fix the whole man on the Sabbath. Uh, what's wrong with that?" So they're not even judging. Jesus says they're not even judging with a right judgment. Um, so they they have something against him, and you see that they're not thinking quite right as well, because everybody seems to have a different opinion about where. Jesus is going to come from, and we see in here that they say that he's not going to come from Galilee. Uh, we'll talk about that more um, in the second part. But anyway, he stands up at the last day of the feast and just says something crazy. And before we address that, let's put ourselves in that situation. Um, we went to church today. It would have been nuts for me to stand up in the middle of the service and say something glorifying myself. That would just be insane. <laughs> um, that's essentially what Jesus does here. He stands up on the last day of the feast and in front of everybody, you know, this feast is about, is not, well, of course it's about him, but that's not the perception, right? But he stands up and says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. He's referring to the Holy Spirit. So, Jesus is both God and man. And he is going to be glorified. And this just really shows us how Jesus thought of himself. Something that would be um, proud or crazy or like a megalomaniac. Um, or a lunatic, you know, uh, C.S. Lewis says Jesus is either a liar or a lunatic or Lord, because if he's not Lord, the things that he does are evil or insane, like they make no sense. Um, so anyway, just pointing that out, and these officers are sent to arrest Jesus. So let's see what happens with these officers.
The Gospel of John, Chapter 7, Continued. Some of the people, therefore, when they heard these words, were saying, This certainly is the prophet. Others were saying, This is the Christ. Still others were saying, Surely the Christ is not going to come from Galilee, is he? Has not the Scripture said that the Christ comes from the descendants of David and from Bethlehem, the village where David was? So a division occurred in the crowd because of him. Some of them wanted to seize him, but no one laid hands on him. The officers then came to the chief priests and Pharisees, and they said to them, Why did you not bring him? The officers answered, Never has a man spoken the way this man speaks. The Pharisees then answered them, You have not also been led astray, have you? No one of the rulers or Pharisees has believed in him, has he? But this crowd which does not know the law is accursed. Nicodemus, he who came to him before, being one of them, said to them, Our law does not judge a man unless it first hears from him and knows what he is doing, does it? They answered him, You are not also from Galilee, are you? Search and see that no prophet arises out of Galilee. Everyone went to his home. So after Jesus stands up and makes that bold statement on the last day of the feast, we see that some people are realizing that something is going on here. And some people say, this is the Christ. Um, There seems to be some confusion about where Christ was supposed to come from. So they were getting um, kind of hung up on that. Uh, We'll talk more about that in a second. But you see that even the officers that were sent to arrest Jesus didn't do it. And uh, they didn't do it because they were so compelled by his words. But listen to what the leaders said. They said, um, have you also been led astray? Um, and then they, all, they say that none of the leaders have believed in him. And even though the crowds might, the crowds are accursed. Now, I think that's really interesting. These leaders were supposed to be the shepherds of the people. And yet they viewed the people as being accursed. And they viewed themselves as being the standard of righteousness. And that's why Jesus says in other gospels, I believe, you know, it's the sick who need a physician. It's not the well. These people thought that they were okay. These religious leaders thought that they were okay. But they weren't. And I'll throw another challenge out there. Like, what if... Maybe this is, is having an effect on you or changing your mind about something. And your pastor or your priest or your religious leader does not agree. In fact, what if you can't find any religious leader in your particular group that agrees with the biblical view of Jesus or what Jesus is teaching here? Are you willing to follow Christ even if the religious leaders disagree with you. I think that's a really important point because Jesus says, if anyone 
thirst, let him come to me and drink. Are you going to remain thirsty? Because look at these religious leaders. They did not even love the people. They viewed the people as accursed. And actually that was true. Everybody that doesn't come to Christ is under the curse of sin. So interesting that that is actually fulfilled. The people are cursed, but the religious leaders were also cursed. Everyone's cursed. Everyone's thirsty and needs to come to Christ. Um, interesting that we see Nicodemus again here. He seems to still be on the fence, right? But he's at least thinking about it and somewhat defending Jesus and saying, shouldn't we at least hear what Jesus has to say? And these religious leaders again come back with this idea that Jesus is not supposed to come from Galilee. And um, the sad part is they didn't know scripture. They were so busy adding their own traditions to scripture that they didn't know scripture. Listen to Isaiah chapter 9. But there will be no gloom in her who is in anguish. In the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. This sounds familiar, right? <laughs> sounds like John's been reading this. Isaiah's mentioned several times in John, by the way. If you go down a few verses, verse 6, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So many implicit shadowy references to Christ there. And the religious leaders were so busy hating Christ, trying to kill him, trying to keep their own traditions, elevate themselves, keep the people under their thumb, they weren't even reading their Bible enough to know that, of course, he was supposed to come from Galilee. It's right there in Scripture. So, um, I think that's it. Uh, we will see Nicodemus again. So, uh, he kind of keeps popping up in this story. Very interesting. But, um, yeah, that's the end of day seven. It's, I hope you've had a, had a nice week. And we will see you next time in John chapter eight.